We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. What's the greatest threat to human freedom, to democracy, to human dignity? If you were asked that question, what worldview, what ideology threatens the human being more than any other, what would you say? Well, the big government elites have a quick answer. And do you know what it is? It's Christianity. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. The topic for today's show as I wrap up the week is anti-Christianity. The dangers of the Christian religion, of evangelicals, of conservative religious folks, of those who claim that the Bible is their measuring rod, their compass, their true north, the objective standard and revelation of God to mankind. Those of us who believe in traditional Orthodox Christian values, morality, principles, and embrace the Christian faith. We're the most dangerous ones, apparently, according to the elites, the government oligarchs. I'm going to share with you a couple key stories that have hit the press recently. They get buried sometimes because of the political debate and other important things that are going on in our world, but I would argue that this movement, this anti-Christian movement, this movement to crush those biblical Christians who still want to live their lives in obedience to the Bible, this movement could be perhaps the most dangerous thing to human freedom. That's today's show. After we take an early break, I'm going to read some headlines of, oh, a handful of years. Headlines that have taken place, 2016, 2020, 2022, 2021. I'm just going to read some headlines to you. Headlines that shout and scream about the dangers of Christianity. And then I'm going to share a couple stories that are recent, just this last week or so, where government elites in the United Nations, in Australia, and even here in the United States are trying to shut down and silence Christians and even make it illegal for Christians to express their faith and to practice their faith in the public square, or maybe even in the privacy of your own home. Because after all, you're dangerous. You're very dangerous if you believe in Christianity, if you believe the Bible. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. 
The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Let me read a few headlines for you here to make my point as to the the trend that's been taking place over just the last half dozen years or so. Let's go to, I'm just, I just Googled this. The dangers of anti-Christianity is what I actually Googled because I was trying to find some articles that would say this is a dangerous move to start disparaging Christianity, the worldview that served as the very foundation for Western civilization, the freedoms that we now enjoy, freedoms that come from the Magna Carta, our United States Constitution, even the European Union, though it doesn't want to admit it, gets its freedoms from the biblical worldview, the Christian worldview of the Reformation, and of Christendom, if you want to go back before the Reformation. The, the West has enjoyed a different kind of life than those other countries that haven't benefited from the biblical worldview. Why do you think why do you think Red China has a different way of living? Why do you think North Korea has a different way of living? Why do you think we had to fight in Vietnam and, and Laos and Cambodia? Why do you think we've had to battle these, these um, anti-human freedom movements, the rise of Marxism across the East? Why do you think that you have the caste system that is so prevalent and hanging on so strongly in India? Why do you think you've had genocide in African countries that haven't been exposed to and evangelized by Christianity? Why did Matthew Paris, uh, an atheist, uh, a homosexual atheist, who writes for the secular periodicals in Great Britain, why did he say, after spending his youth in Africa, colonized Great Britain, why did he say, and does he say, still, I think he's still alive, that Africa as a continent has no hope without Christian evangelism, that it's the only thing that will save Africa from the fate of the machete, of genocide. Why? It's because even some secularists like Paris and history, honest historians, people that honestly look at history, understand that the context, the pretext, the foundation of human freedom that marched across Great Britain, the United Kingdom, Europe, and then across the pond, across the Atlantic, over to the colonies of the New World, and then to Canada, and even South America. Why do you think, why do you think that history shows that the common worldview of all of those countries, and I'm not claiming that they were perfect, were compromises made? Absolutely. Did people live perfect biblical lives? Absolutely not. That's why we've had to have 
the American Civil War. That's why we've had to have the Civil Rights Movement. That's why we have constantly gone back to our true north, the biblical worldview, as a correction. When we stepped away, when we were out of line with that, we, we looked to our compass, our moral compass, the biblical worldview, the North Star of Christianity, and we realigned ourselves toward human freedom. Now, this, I would argue, is an irrefutable fact of civilization, Western civilization in particular. Again, the march for human freedom and dignity. Martin Luther King Jr. cited the biblical worldview in his letter from the Birmingham jail. Frederick Douglass cited the biblical worldview. George Washington Carver cited the biblical worldview. Booker T. Washington, Sojourner Smith, Harriet Tubman, All of these people were grounded in a biblical worldview. Were they all born again? I don't know. Were they all deeply conservative Christians? I don't know. But what I do know is they used the Bible as their compass in their march for human dignity and freedom. But today, if you go just Google, again, I Googled the dangers of anti-Christianity, hoping that I would see some articles that would highlight the fact that this movement away from Christianity and a biblical worldview is dangerous. Not just just dangerous for Christians, but dangerous for those who aren't Christians, because the danger is that we've lost the context, the boundaries for freedom, and that when you tear down the fences of freedom, you're not going to get more liberty, you're going to get fascism. When you tear down a big God and his big laws, you're going to get big government, because there's always going to be something to fill the vacuum. My point here is that it's always dangerous to tear down the very worldview, the premise that has served to give you the privileges that you now enjoy, the freedoms that you take for granted, the definition of the human being and his or her dignity that is grounded in something. It's obviously grounded in a worldview that's different than other countries and other cultures because the human being in North Korea is not defined the same way as the human being in Europe or America or Canada or South America. And when you degrade the definition of the human being to nothing but the animal, the product of evolution, Darwinism, radical, radical microevolution, then you're going to get people who think that the ultimate goal is to control that organism for the good of what? For the good of Mother Earth? I don't know, maybe perhaps for the good of the collective? Yeah, I guess, because the collective is more important than the individual because the individual has no moral worth or significance above and beyond any other biological mass. So anyway, again, my point is this. Worldview matters. Philosophy matters. Your religion matters. And you can claim you don't have a religion till the cows come home, but you do. Everybody has a religion. You're going to worship something. As the great American theologian Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve something and someone. It could be the devil or it could be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You're going to have a religion. So, again, these headlines that I found when I just Googled the dangers of anti-Christianity. Here are the headlines that came up. Time Magazine, 2016. Regular Christians are no longer welcome in American culture. The subheading is this. Anti-Christian activists hurl smears like bigot and hater at Americans who hold traditional beliefs about things such as marriage and abortion, or human life. Here's another one. This is from the Kurtz Institute. Is Christianity dangerous? 
That particular subheading is this. There are many more ways in which Christianity is dangerous. And then they go on and they cite the various different beliefs of various different sects within religion. Sects. S-E-C-T, by the way. Various different denominations, various different genres within Christianity. Under the Christian umbrella, there are various different belief systems that are very dangerous. That's what this is talking about. And then, there's, then there's this, the Center for American Progress. Christian nationalism is the single biggest threat to America's freedom, to America. It, it also leads to discrimination and at times violence against minorities and those who are non-religious. This one comes from the National Council for Churches. This headline is this. This is 2021. The dangers of Christian nationalism in the United States. Morally, Christian nationalism gives little attention to structural issues of poverty, racism, healing our planet, international justice. Again, what's Christian nationalism? Is it patriotism? Is it belief that America is exceptional? Is it the belief that Christianity has served as the context for a culture of freedom and dignity and human worth here in America? Is it the belief that our founding fathers were overwhelmingly biblical Christians and that the values that they brought to the table served as the pretext for our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Does that make you a Christian nationalist? If you believe in those things, does it make me a Christian nationalist? Well, I can tell you right now, the Center for American Progress and the National Council of Churches, Time Magazine, and whatnot, believe it does. So when they talk about Christian nationalism, they're not defining it in any other way other than to say, if you believe that America is exceptional and uniquely Christian in its heritage, in its history, in its assumptions about what the human being should be all about, who we are as creations of God, and what our responsibilities are within community, our moral and legal responsibilities. If you believe that America, America is founded in Christianity, when it comes to answering these questions, that makes you a Christian nationalist. Here's another one from The Guardian. Uh, it talks about, interestingly enough, where in the world is the worst place to be a Christian. And it shows Christian persecution. That's an interesting one. Um, it goes on. I, I see other articles here about rising anti-Christian sentiment. And what's that mean for freedom? Uh, here's one from CNN, an anti-Christian uh, piece. An imposter Christianity is threatening American democracy. The list goes on and on and on. The point here is there's a bias. A bias in the media and a bias with regard to the reporting of religion, i.e. Christianity, not only in America but around the world right now. There was an article I read this week by Cheryl Chumley in the Washington Times. The, the title of the article is, The UN is Poised to Attack Religion, Church, the Bible, in a Looming LGBTQ Study. This is by Cheryl Chumley, again, in the Washington Times this past week. Now, in, in this article, she talks about the United Nations Human Rights Council and how it's poised to release a report on the perceived contradictions, that's their language, between the LGBTQ agenda and religious teachings. It, 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 it's going to include this, says Chumley. 
it's going to include a global attack on biblical teachings and truths. The Human Rights Council is going to meet in June. This will be the 53rd session of the United Nations Human Rights Council. And in this meeting, there will be an independent expert, probably several, on the protection against violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. That's a quote directly out of the United Nations. I'll read that one more time. They're going to report. Experts will bring forth a report on how to protect against violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Not violence and discrimination against those who suffer the loss of their dignity, their human rights, even their lives as a result of their religious faith. But no, a report against violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. So this report will be an update on how to prevent violence against those who identify as LGBTQIA, about what we've come to know as the LGBTQ community. It'll include a bullet list of recommendations. And on that list, what is the biggest, baddest threat? What poses the greatest greatest threat of violence and persecution to this community, this LGBT community? Well, it'll be the church. It'll be religion. It will be the Bible. The, the Office of the High Commissioner on Human Rights out of the United Nation has this on their website right now. The report will examine long-established and emerging discourses driving perceived contradictions between the right to freedom of religion or belief, and freedom from violence and discrimination. That's what they say on their website. The report will put forward recommendations to states and other relevant stakeholders to fully comply with their obligations under international human rights law to protect and empower LGBT plus persons to pursue happiness, exercise and enjoy all their human rights, and choose how to contribute to society on an equal footing with everyone, including through effective participation in religious, cultural, social, and public life. Now, nobody listening to me right now thinks that people who choose a given sexual behavior should be persecuted. At least I don't think many of you do. And I'm not suggesting that. I can disagree with your moral choices. I can disagree with what you do in your bedroom. But frankly, I'm of the thinking that that's none of my business. I don't want to know. I'd prefer you shut the door. I don't want you opening it and forcing me to stand there publicly and celebrate what you do. It's none of my business. But I don't have to agree with it. And the reason I don't have to agree with it, it's your choice. It's your behavior. It's not who you are. It's something you've decided to do. I've said this over and over again on the show. The greatest error in the LGBTQIA narrative is that we're defining people by their libido. We're defining people by their desires. That your human identity is, has become nothing more than the sum total of your human inclinations. And that's a mistake. So there is no such thing as an LGBTQIA person. There are persons who choose LGBTQIA behaviors, yes. And as long as that is private, then 
we live in a world where, well, at least we used to live in a country that's free. It's your choice. But don't force it on everybody else and don't ask that our schools start indoctrinating, indoctrinating our children to live differently than what we've taught them to do in, in our churches and in our homes. It's our obligation to raise up our children and tell them how to behave. It's not your right to contradict us. So the United Nations wants to change all that because they think, they're saying, that any language such as what I'm using on this show right now is violent. It's encouraging violence and persecution against a given community, a given subset of human beings, a minority group, if you will. They've started defining minorities by, by virtue of inclinations rather than physical, biological reality. People are being defined by the thoughts and desires that are in their head rather than the biological reality as to who they are, male and female, black and white, etc. So here's the thing. This report will accuse the church. It will level accusations against the church, the Bible, Christian teachings, regarding things like homosexuality and transgenderism. It will accuse you and me if we hold to traditional orthodox views on sexuality. It'll accuse us of abusing children. It'll accuse us of inspiring and fomenting violence, hatred, bigotry. That's what it'll do. So if you have a biblically-centered view of the family, of marriage, of traditional sexual morality, you are the problem, and you will be silenced. And your, your freedom to believe this and to teach this and to practice that way of life will be lost because you will be criminalized by virtue of this report. They're going to criminalize the basis of American exceptionalism. Because the basis of our exceptionalism is the belief that all individuals, all men and women, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, including the life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I've said before, happiness is not the pursuit of pleasure. Happiness, as it's used in our seminal documents, means purpose. It's the opposite of haplessness, the pursuit of purpose. Well, how do you pursue purpose? It's a religious pursuit. Our purpose is grounded in the fact that we believe that we are the product of a creator, not just happenstance and a primordial swamp. We, we believe that our rights come from God, not the government. That our uniqueness as people is given to us by a creator. That it's not just the product of radical Darwinism. That's, that's the premise to our exceptionalism. Whether you've been taught that or not, that is. America is exceptional because we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Human life is different. It, it needs to be preserved and protected. Human liberty and freedom is a, a summum bonum, a first thing. It's one of our highest goods. And we pursue purpose, happiness, because we recognize that those high ideals that give us purpose and meaning are biblical. 
They, they can be found in revelation of God. So basically, individuals get their rights from God. That's the, the American way of thinking. It's a religious way of thinking. It's a Christian way of thinking. And that's a very, very challenging and fearful scenario to tyrants and to globalists and to elitists, and to Democrats. Big government types, says Cheryl Chumley, can't, can't live with you having individual rights and freedom if they can't insert themselves into your daily lives and tell you how to live, down to the point as to what religion you will practice. Not only in public, but in the privacy of your home, because if you're teaching this stuff privately behind the four walls of your home to your children, you will be accused of child abuse. You're indoctrinating your children in bigotry, in racism, and that can't be tolerated. The government will march in in its neo-Marxist ways. The tyrants, tyrants, excuse me, the tyrants and the communists, the neo-Marxists, BLM, the proponents of critical theory, will persecute and drive out the religious, the Christians the Bible believers. They want to drive out religion because government can't gain the worship of the people, says Chumley, if God stands in the way. And she's spot on. She's spot on. Um, she goes on and covers more about the Human Rights Commission and what they're going to do. And this is coming. This isn't hyperbole. She's not making it up. This is actually already posted on their website. Her argument is this that this, this report, this Human Rights Council report, will contain the marching order to go forth and destroy the church, go forth and destroy religious freedom. The battle plan will be to decry godly truths as discriminatory until the godly are stifled, silenced, and pushed into the minority. That is when America will cease to be free. Chumley's spot on. And you think, okay, well, that's never going to happen. Well, let's look at other free societies and free cultures that have benefited from a biblical worldview. Let's go to the United Kingdom. Let's go to Queensland in Australia. This report comes from Martin Hiles. He says this, the Queensland police shooting, apparently there was a terrorist attack where some police were shot in Queensland, Australia. Back to his commentary here. The Queensland police shooting has been declared an act of domestic terrorism linked to the Christian fundamentalist belief system known as premillennialism. That's a direct quote from the Queensland police, by the way. And then Martin Isles says this, I kid you not. I kid you not. The most popular eschatology in evangelical and Pentecostal circles, he said, is, is apparently a motive for terrorism. Then he goes on, he says, it is the first time Christian ideology, again, their words, the Queensland police, the government in Australia, their words, Christian ideology has been linked to a terrorist attack. He, he goes on, <clears throat> excuse me, Martin Isles goes on, and he says this, I call on the Deputy Commissioner Linford to point out where in premillennialism there is any authority given whatsoever for a person to use premeditated violence. She can't, he says, because there isn't. Submission to the state is taught in three places in the New Testament letters. Jesus himself submitted to Pilate's judgment, acknowledging the man's authority. He also said, my kingdom is not of this world, or else my servants would fight. 
close quote. Premillennialism affirms the absolute authority of these scriptures. We're living in a clown world, says Martin Niles. In ancient Rome, the authorities blamed Christianity for the evils of their day because they either hated it or were totally ignorant concerning it. And I guess, I guess history can indeed repeat itself, says Martin Niles. Yes, absolutely. Well, that'll never happen in the United States, you say. Well, look at what AOC said after the Super Bowl. She literally said Christianity is fascism. She said it after the Super Bowl because she didn't like the He Gets Us ads during the Super Bowl. Now, I'm no fan of the He Gets Us ads because I don't think it defines he very well, he being Jesus. But that aside, these particular two ads, (laughs) these ads said nothing other than Jesus would ask us to be childlike in our faith and in the simplicity and the way we treat others. And he would also ask us to stop hating and yelling and arguing with people to the point where we will actually strike out against them verbally or physically. That's what these two ads were about. And AOC responds and calls this fascism, that the He Gets Us ads were actually marketing fascism. She said that. Her quote, something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars marketing fascism. Is this anti-Christian? You betcha. And we better be willing to defend ourselves or we're going to lose our freedom. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.